I'm Brian Walsh, and from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. For those investors that do have capital to deploy, they want to be part of the response to the crisis, the recovery coming out of the crisis, and ultimately investing in a more resilient system that can better weather the types of shocks we can expect in the future. That's Ahmet Burry, the CEO of the Global Impact Investing Network, the GIN. Today on the show, Ahmet speaks with Impact Alpha's David Bank about how impact investors are responding to the coronavirus crisis and how they're thinking about the recovery. Let's jump right into the conversation. Hi, Ahmet. Hi, how are you, David? Great. Thanks for joining us. I know things are a little bit in tumult, so thank you for making the time. Oh, thank you as well. I'm really um, honored to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, we're very keen because you, you know, you've been taking the the. I, I don't know if we can say taking the temperature anymore, but um, taking the pulse, let's just say, of impact investors and and the impact investing community through this COVID crisis, and we're very keen to sort of hear what you're hearing. So maybe just let me leave it as broad as that. What what are impact investors telling you these days? Well, I think this is such an important time for the impact investing community and for a global community that we have, in part because you know that we are so interdependent um, and interconnected. And this virus and the ensuing crisis has just underscored the ways in which um, you know, issues and crises can cross borders. But I also think it's really important to lean into that interconnectedness as part of our response. Um, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been spending a lot of time connecting um, with our members and partners all around the world. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with the GIN, um, our global network includes over 30,000 um, people. And our formal membership network includes over 300 organizations uh, in over 45 countries that are active on six continents. And when you say organizations, you mean investors with putting capital to work in, in many cases. That's right. Everything from large global banks, institutional investors, um, boutique fund managers, uh, philanthropic foundations, um, and development finance institutions. Um, so, you know, they're all part of the uh, impact investing ecosystem, uh, though their sources of capital and orientations vary. Um, and I think that diversity is incredibly powerful, particularly in a moment of crisis. Now, let me just press you a little bit because it seems like there's kind of two dueling narratives, I guess. One is a kind of retrenchment and um, maybe pulling in of horns, you know, portfolios have taken a hit, you know, maybe people are, you know, retreating to, you know, safe havens, what what, what have you. And then the other is obviously, I think um, that, you know, this is a moment for, for impact investing and impact investors to, to step forward. I mean, what sense are you getting of, from your members and your community? Uh, I'm finding that both are happening at the same time, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, I, I think, you know, given the the speed with which this crisis has unfolded, um, it has led to a very natural sense of regrouping. Um, you know, people are worried about very basic needs, you know, health, safety, and and shelter, um, you know, for their families and also you know for their teams. And so there's a natural focus on just business continuity. Um, and understanding the impacts of the multiple facets of this crisis, you know, the health crisis, the financial crisis, as well as the psychological um, and, and, and um, kind of you know, confidence crisis that's unfolding from this. Um, but as investors are regrouping and just taking stock of the implications, um, I do think we'll continue to see an evolution in focus 
to thinking about like how do we invest going forward in this environment. Um, and clearly, uh, this crisis has laid bare um, some of the issues with our system. You know, you know, inequality is playing a huge role in the way that this uh, crisis is felt, and that will only increase as it um, spreads more to emerging markets that have much weaker health systems. Um, and, and so for impact investors you know, who are focused on putting capital to work to have a positive impact on the world, I think this is a real moment of leadership. Um, but I think that um, we're transitioning um, into that leadership orientation as people just do the basic regrouping and making sure their, their people and their assets um, are safe and, and well understood. There's always a truism, which is, you know, it's it's sometimes too early to, to mobilize for the future. But then by the time you it, it's not too early, it's, it's too late. I mean, are people and investors getting themselves organized and how uh, for the next stage? Well, I think what we're seeing is that, you know, um, this takes very different shape in different parts of the world. Um, you know, so, for example, you know, some of our colleagues in, in India um, are largely experiencing a, a like a capital crunch, um, you know, cash flow issue that you know just as they've locked down that country. Um, in parts of Africa, you know, where the disease at least is, um, you know, has been less prevalent, um, what we have seen is just the impacts of um, you know external markets on African economies and businesses. Uh, so, uh, you know, less access to capital, um, and those that are dependent on global supply chains are certainly feeling the pinch um, from this dynamic. Um, and and I think that you know this will be an evolving situation as it unfolds. Um, but one thing that is building um, in our community, and and I think the gin plays an important role in helping to harness this energy, um, is that for those investors that do have capital to deploy, they want to be part of their response to the crisis, the recovery coming out of the crisis, and ultimately um, investing in a more resilient system that can better weather the types of shocks we can expect in the future. Well, let's take them sort of piece by piece, because I think those are the sort of the three buckets. I mean, in the first, just the, the response, I know we've, we've done a piece, uh, a couple pieces with Open Road Alliance, which has been working for a long time, very much pre-crisis, uh, to help enterprises bridge these what they call OMG moments, um, whether that's the loss of a certain supplier or, or a funding round that doesn't quite come through in time or, or what have you, and, and helping them get over a temporary gap, that kind of bridge loan, low interest and flexible and, and sort of very responsive to the immediate needs of companies, that's kind of what everybody needs now. I mean, it's a kind of global OMG moment. Um, I know you've been working on that kind of relief, uh, immediate relief, as you said, cash and liquidity for, for folks that um, just need to keep the doors open. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think about the ways that people can play a resp uh, role in the response in two buckets. I, I think the bigger one is just dealing with the financial impacts of this crisis. Um, and that is that you know, many companies and certainly nonprofits are going to really feel the pinch of revenues in the near term. Um, and also just issues related to their productivity. You know, if they can't get their people working, uh, you know, then it, you know, they're unable to produce products and services. And, and obviously demand is, is uh, heavily affected in this environment. Um, and so uh, many investors all around the world are thinking about how they can adjust terms um, and possibly provide additional financing to weather the storm. 
Um, and that can take the form of bridge loans. It could take the, you know, um, other forms as well. But I think that, um, you know, that's something that I'm hearing very consistently all around the world from our community. Um, that is globally top of mind for impact investors. Um, and, you know, as there is a crunch both in access to capital, um, but also just to meet near-term cash flow issues, um, it's a real um, issue that investors can play a role in addressing. The other category is on the health crisis itself. Now, obviously, this is a public health crisis, and the, the lead on the response will be the public health systems. Um, and so we're seeing you know, government taking the lead and trying to provide um, access to health care, you know, everything from diagnostic to therapeutics um, and ultimately in vaccine development. Um, but there are going to be some targeted areas where impact investment capital is needed um, that can help. Uh, for example, accelerate um, the development of like testing production um, in other parts of the world. Um, it might be able to help uh, increase access to a variety of kind of therapeutic um, uh, opportunities. Um, and then it can also play a role in helping to address point solutions that are both part of the initial response and also help for um, longer term systems, things like telemedicine and other services that can increase access at a time when the health systems are under an immense amount of pressure. Now, in some cases, um, we've been hearing from some investment fund managers that, um, in fact, companies that they had uh, backed for other reasons turn out to be actually well positioned, whether that, as you said, that's in supplies, whether that's, you know, personal hygiene or, or other kinds of things that are now in demand, um, you know, or as you said, testing and, and, and biotech kind of solutions. I mean, there's there are areas where impact investors have been invested in that are now turning out to be quite useful. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I do think that um, you know, there are many things that are emerging as this crisis unfolds. And one of them, for example, is like an increased awareness for food systems. Um, and, and how do we actually make sure that people get access to healthy foods? Um, and that's been a huge byproduct of the conversation um, in places like New York, where they've closed schools, um, but also in many other parts of the world where that's happened, um, where the school system is a way of getting healthy foods to low-income populations. Um, and we've even heard this from some of our members in Europe who have found that um, while some of their investments um, in things like financial inclusion are under an immense amount of pressure, um, some of their investments in sustainable agriculture and food um, are actually performing quite well in, in this environment. Um, and it, it does really illustrate the need for us to have a kind of a broad-based and resilient system that can help keep people healthy um, and productive, um, you know, at times of, um, you know, when we're experiencing booms and busts um, in, in the economic cycles. Well, that, that leads to the sec your second bucket, which is uh, how are folks continuing to invest, you know, whether that's in the recovery or just, you know, as we, as we come out of this, like, is money and capital actually going to flow, be flowing to those kind of enterprises or are people just, you know, out of cash and out of capital and, 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 and a lot of those good ideas may, you know, die on the vine through, in effect, no fault of their own? Well, I, I think that you know, it'll certainly depend on the investor, but I, I do think that there are um, a lot of investors who have raised funds that they need to deploy. And, and I think that that is um, you know, an, an opportunity where um, impact investors now can play a very important role um, in not only, you know, transactions that help 
finance companies that can play a really positive role in helping to get people to work in high quality jobs and increase access to basic needs, you know, things like food and health, uh, housing and, and finance. Um, I also think that it is um, important to think about this in the context of like, you know, how are we shaping the system that emerges from this crisis? Um, you know, in the moment we're in now, where a lot of people are just in a moment of shock and trying to contend with the world that's kind of you know, so volatile and tumultuous in this moment, I think it's hard to think about the long game for most folks, very understandably. Um, but as we start to stabilize, you know, I think that will leave a lot more room and headspace and discussion for what is the world that we're trying to invest in now? Um, you know, we're coming out of a 10-year kind of recovery from the great financial crisis that led to um, huge booms in the stock market, lots of GDP growth, but also an un incredibly uneven recovery that has exacerbated inequality um, and certainly has not done enough to address climate change. And so as we're thinking about the next recovery, and you know, we're in 2020, uh, the SDGs have a target set for 2030, so we've got a decade ahead of us. Um, and you know, what are we going to shape for the next decade? You know, and how do we need to build a system that can actually achieve the SDGs, meet the goals of the Paris Climate Accord, and get us to a more just, inclusive, and sustainable society that's more resilient when you experience crises like this? Well, I want to I want to get to that broader systemic and societal system that you're talking about, but I, let me press you a little bit on impact investing's own system, as it were. So mm -hmm. you, the gin has played has admirably kind of spanned what has been a kind of running uh, dialogue over at least my time in the field between the quote market rate uh, investors who say you know we we don't want to take a discount. There's no trade offs. We want to invest for impact, but we want to get uh, commercial or market rate returns on the one hand. And then on the other hand, a kind of set of, you know, what are now being called catalytic investors who say, no, there are market gaps and there are market failures and there's ways in which um, more flexible capital, whether that's longer term or higher risk or what have you, can play a role in kind of creating new marketplaces, um, new structures that over time may uh, mature out of the need for any, any kind of subsidy, but that need to be sort of nurtured along. And in the meantime, we're going to take a concession on our return. So there was the concessionary crowd and the market rate crowd. It seems to me just on the face of it, the, the whole notion of market rate has taken a big hit. What is market rate in, a, in, a, in this market? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think there will be a lot of soul searching around what is the actual market rate. And and I think I was um, speaking to an investor from Singapore last fall um, and, and a U.S. family office in a conversation where you know they were talking about, you know, for a diversified portfolio at scale, what are the actual returns that you can expect? Um, and one of the things that came out from the conversation is that, um, you know, so this is late 2019, they just hit the point where their 10-year you know, backward-looking um, assessment of their performance um, did not include any type of recession. You know, so so it was not a. It was just coming out of the great financial crisis, which meant that their numbers looked fantastic. Whereas if their numbers had included 2007, 2006, or before, it would have been a much more mixed picture. 
and and I think that that has led to a bit of a distancing between um, you know a, a, a longer term view on what market rate performance looks like, because we had this decade um, where we didn't have you know any real trough kind of um, uh, factoring into um, our. Um, you know, the, the look at performance. And so I think looking ahead, I, I do think there'll be a lot of questions about, you know, what is market rate and what we can expect. Um, and I also think there'll be, um, there's a real opening for a conversation about how do we think about long-term performance? Um, and how do we think about, you know, the, you know, I, I believe that if you think about the long term, you cannot avoid issues of social and environmental impact. Um, because you know climate change you know in, in the long term will have a massive effect on the financial performance of markets um, so will inequality and the ability to have sustainable and inclusive societies um, and so my hope is that as we um, get out of the shock of this crisis that we really have a, a very constructive um, and, and active discussion about how we are building a better system coming out of this well, let me just take you to the to the other side of that coin, which was the catalytic capital part. And in some level now, you know, we're seeing you know massive um, government spending, uh, you know, in in some sense to you know target sectors that are important to restart economies that are have have had been shut down to uh, put uh, capital into the hands of. Of, of, of individuals, but also companies. I mean, at some level, kind of all capital is catalytic capital now um, with, with intentional policy outcomes, you know, attached to it. Um, is there anything that the catalytic investors in the impact investing community um, can, can add to that, uh, you know, to the design of, the, of, those, of, those, um, of those structures? Yeah, I think the significance of those investors deploying catalytic capital um, will grow massively in this time of crisis, um, you know, ruling through the response to the recovery and beyond. Um, I, I do think that what we will be looking at, you know, kind of coming out of this um, the near term, um, is a need to really rebuild the economy. Um, you know, to get people back to work, um, get them to work in high quality jobs, um, and also to really help um, address access to basic needs. Uh, and, and so I do think that, um, you know, there's a big role for government-backed institutions like development finance organizations and, and other types of mechanisms uh, that may be set up as a policy response, um, you know, to the situation. Um, I think that role, the role of CDFIs is really important. Um, you know, they have spent decades um, honing their skills um, and deploying capital to vulnerable communities. Um, and vulnerable communities will really be hit hard by this crisis. I mean, they already are. Uh, and, and so I think that um, you know, both those opportunities plus the need to use catalytic capital to leverage in more commercial capital will be incredibly important um, looking forward. Um, so I think this is a real leadership moment for um, catalytic capital investors. You've talked about the broader system change required. I mean, even before this crisis, there was a lot of talk and, you know, initiatives spinning up of, you know, reinventing capitalism, reimagining capitalism, resetting capitalism, new capitalism, capitalism 2.0. It kind of was in the air, you know, pre-COVID. Um, what does it mean, you know, post-COVID or, or maybe we're, I don't know when we get to be post-COVID, but, you know, during COVID? Yeah, I think this is something that's been top of mind for the gin um, ever since we worked on our, our market roadmap. Um, and I know we've been really privileged to have a partnership with Impact Alpha um, you know, on that project. We, um, 
you know, just a, a couple of years ago when we were starting that work, we're really asking ourselves, you know, what is the future for impact investing? And, and quickly came to realize that, you know, by, you know, every measure we could imagine from a, you know, a market's evolution, impact investing had been uh, a great success. More capital, more investors, more diverse, uh, more geographically distributed, and so on and so forth. But when you zoom out and look at big systemic issues like climate change and inequality, it was hard to feel successful. And ultimately, what we had to ask ourselves as a community was, you know, what does it mean to be, quote unquote, successful if the overall system is failing? And so in our view, um, you know, impact investing has to be about more than just growing the impact investing market. But really, our end game is on building a more sustainable and inclusive financial system you know, where impact becomes part of all investing. Now, that was very um, uh, you know, top of mind from you know, coming uh, over the past couple of years. It's just emerged in many different um, venues, everything from the Business Roundtable to the World Economic Forum. We have billionaires in finance and in tech talking about how we need to change capitalism uh, and, and to the point where um, you would think that this was just obvious <laughs> to everyone. I think as a result of this crisis, um, that conversation continues, but I do think it ramps up you know, with a much greater degree of urgency because I think we are seeing um, the downsides of having an unequal society. And I think we'll also see some of the impacts it has on our ability to make headway on issues like um, addressing climate change that are so systemic and so fundamental. Let's take the two you mentioned, both climate change and social inequality or income inequality, which pre-crisis, those were the two systemic risks that were called out most clearly. And the climate change one is interesting. And as you know, the you know carbon emissions and, and, and oil consumption and whatnot are very much down as a result of this. There's a, a, a sort of growing, uh, at least stream of thought that says, you know, why would we restart the very fossil fuel-based system that uh, was had taken us to the brink of, of yet other disasters when we come when we've had this sort of, in a sense, gift if you if you want to think of it that way of of a of a of a carbon reduction that nobody thought was possible. So so the climate case is 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 fascinating and, and important. But the one that's I think tougher and that I would love to get your thoughts on are the social inequality case because as you mm-hmm. said the crisis is, is sort of exposing. The, the the fractures and the and the and the fissures in in society along you know wealth and inequality lines but it's not clear to me that it has a kind of obvious next step to repair those in the same way that the climate case you know maybe like oh let's just make the transition to renewables what's the analogy on the social side mm-hmm. yeah and um you- you know, starting with the climate change issue, like, you know, obviously carbon emissions are down because of the reduced activity, um, you know, that, that we're all, you know, experiencing. Uh, and, and I do think it'll be still a big challenge to make sure climate change is front and center. Uh, you know, I imagine the recovery, there will be some who are pushing an agenda that says we can't afford to worry about things like energy efficiency. We just have to get people back to work and, um, you know, in an unconstrained way. Um, and similarly, you know, climate-related projects, you know, whether it's big wind farms in the U.S. or Europe, um, or if it's, um, you know, uh, solar projects in East Africa or India, 
you know, they will still need access to capital. Um, and in an environment where we are, you know, have a capital crunch, um, you know, the, those businesses will um, also have the same challenges that we experience in other parts of the economy. So for, for impact investors who are focused on climate, um, you know, there will be a lot of work to do to shape the way that we you know, come out of this crisis. On the social equity piece, I mean, I think that in the news, you know, well beyond the impact investing conversation, there's a lot of discussion about things right now about like worker rights, about who really drives, you know, the, the economy and keeps it going, um, you know, and, um, you know, some really fundamental debates about, you know, just basic, you know, kind of access to things like sick leave, health care, um, family medical leave and others that, you know, there have been advocates working on for years. And all of a sudden those issues are brought to the forefront in a very powerful, visceral and universal way where they're getting, a, you know, a much more attention. Um, and I do think that that will lead us to a much bigger conversation. Uh, actually, I think it already has about what is the role of business and capital relative to society and the planet? And how do we actually establish a new harmony for how those relate to one another? Um, and I think it's important, um, you know, you can count on the gin for playing a role and helping to translate that from a, a conceptual conversation to one that is much more tactical um, about how we actually shape business and investment um, to realize that that kind of broad vision um, for a world that's uh, much more harmonious. I get what you're saying, but I'm not sure that the you know the investor world has fully grokked what doing what you said means in terms of of its own prerogatives, right? I mean, that's that's what we got to track, right? Well, I really think about this in, in, on two levels. I think one is, you know, what's the role of impact investing in this recovery? And, and what does, you know, what do impact investors have to bring to it? Um, and then the other is a much broader question about whose capital is being invested in and, and who has uh, the wealth and resources in, in, in our society. You know, the, the role of impact investors in this recovery, I think, is critical. Um, because you know, as we're thinking about a broader shift in the, the way that capitalism works, um, you know, we have a community of investors who've been putting capital to work um, with a conviction that money has a role to play that's much broader than just making more money. Um, and specifically in trying to drive positive impact across a range of issues, whether it's things like addressing gender equality, um, including vulnerable populations, um, and you know, work across sectors like finance, ag, housing, and so on. Um, and so I think that discipline is incredibly important to amplify as we talk about how you know, we want investing to work in the future and how we want capital to flow and what we want that capital to be invested in. But then I think you're also asking a broader question about like who has the capital and who doesn't. Um, and I you know, do think that one thing that we often overlook and we underutilize um, this big opportunity as a community is the role of things like pension funds and retirement accounts and others where we have um, – the capital of ordinary folks um, that's pooled together in these massive pools that have a huge amount of influence. Um, and yet we oftentimes will focus on the professional investment staff of the pension fund. Um, and we don't do as good of a job as a community engaging the actual pensioners themselves. And I think that part of our role um, yeah, and part of our opportunity going forward is to make a much broader and more inclusive conversation about what the role of capital is in society. Because um, there are a lot of assets that are being held 
by ordinary folks and retirement and savings accounts um, that when you add it together um, are incredibly influential um, in the investment and capital markets. Um, and I think really trying to focus on um, how we engage a much broader set of folks who are not professional investors, but who absolutely want their money to be invested um, in a better world um, for themselves and their future generations um, and actually have influence over a tremendous amount of assets. Well, Amit, we'll be tracking with you and following your work and, and working with you on all that. So we very much thank you for joining us today. Um, and um, we'll, be, we'll be talking again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this special episode of Returns on Investment. You can read more about the coronavirus response and recovery and impact investing at impactalpha.com. Check out Impact Alpha's new weekly podcast, Impact Briefing, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you just can't get enough, go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use code briefing50 to get half off your subscription price. You'll get access to Impact Alpha's deal flow, job postings, and subscriber-only calls and events. Thanks again to Amit Burry and to David Bank. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Isaac Silk, who also wrote the theme song. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact at the fintech company Liquinet. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you, in some sense of the word, next time. And remember, we're all in this together.